<laughs> Emphasis raging. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a beautiful depiction of that. All right, yeah. then. So we, we will save that for uh, the next GP Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Two years. <laughs> anyway. No, we'll have, we'll have some other. Maybe, uh, Shiva, maybe the two of us can fly out to England. <laughs> oh, guys, you're more than welcome. I've got sofas you can stay on. And we'll, uh, we'll romp through the English countryside. I'll take you to Liverpool, man. Do you like the Beatles? <laughs> I'll hang out with the Oasis. That would be Manchester, where I work. It's I all work the same. Manchester. It's all the same. Oasis is not the same as the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look back in anger, man. Don't look back. That in is anger. literally a, a Beatles song. Anyway, he's Phil DeLuca, <laughs> and he he is somehow Sean Watson. And I'm Shivan Putt, and this is Commanderin. I always get that wrong because I go to Bonanza. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Man, now I'm going to like spend the rest of the episode coming up with alternate lyrics to Don't Stop Believing. To the be melody's different. <laughs> oh, it's different? The melody don't I'm writing is different. It's not just attacking. Well, that would be good for today's episode. Yes, it, w- it, it would. And in this episode, we put a spotlight on community issues. <laughs> But never, ever talk about four banned topics, religion, politics, Hearthstone, and hip-hop. I was thinking if we ever add another banned topic, we have to have like, you know, it's a zero-sum game. So if we add a banned topic, (laughs) we actually have to remove a topic. Yeah, because I think we're getting a little capped there. And I don't know if I can hang with these uh, anti-hip-hop establishment rules you've got going on. You're missing out. It's not anti-hip-hop. It's just that I actually like hip-hop, but when I talk about it, because of my posh plums-in-my-mouth accent and being, you know, (laughs) very white and British, it sounds like I can't talk about it without it sounding satirical. And I'm genuinely not being satirical. (laughs) Sean, I do have it on good authority that Shivam has a mean freestyle streak in him. No, that's in fact not true. Yo. (laughs) I said a hip hop, a hip to the hip. Yeah. Look, man, when it comes to hip hop, I'm as white as you are. <laughs> I got to say, though, I actually really do like a lot of Finnish and Eastern European hip hop, which is really weird to say. But uh, in the old days of Napster, you used to be able to, like, you know, download a song off of a dude's hard drive and then go and, like, click in to see what other songs were on there because it was the least secure system on the planet. So uh, <sighs> I remember I downloaded a live Metallica bootleg from a guy once. And I was just digging around, and he had, like, this whole archive of Finnish hip-hop coming straight from the streets of, like, you know, Sammy or something. And I just got totally addicted to this. Like, there are less people in Finland than there are in the city I live in right now, and yet apparently there's enough of them to be, like, ghetto street thugs. But it was amazing. Their rhymes are amazing. It sounds just like Korean hip-hop, which I spent a lot of my high school years listening to. And I was just super hardcore into Korean hip-hop. 
And the fact that Finnish and Korean are vaguely related languages, depending on which linguist you talk to, meant that I was super excited to find kind of a very similar cadence and similar kind of uh, rhythm structure between these two cultures through the medium. How does it go? It's hella cool. Like you remember anything? No, my Finnish is really bad. So I'm going to just leave that one alone. (laughs) You're asking Shippen to spit rhymes in Finnish. Yeah. <laughs> I almost got him. <laughs> or Korean. I'm not I'm not Actually, picky. the thing is this this uh rap that I listened to from um Kapila Finnish has too many vowels in it. But it was actually like they would be rapping about like Venkman from the Ghostbusters among other things. And I was just like, This is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Oh my All god. Alright, if you want to stop the madness, everyone, visit patreon.com slash commander and MTG. Yo. And if you donate $5, that earns you to a special request to uh, ask us to stop talking about bad topics. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be racist, Phil. Finnish hip-hop is real. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I am certain it is. Our, our, you know, we will right away ask our Swedish listeners, who apparently are just Bjarnicus and Robin at this point. <laughs> Bjarnicus? For their take, Bjorn- yeah. There's a rule that Bjornicus. we're not allowed to say his name correctly. <laughs> so don't forget to visit us on YouTube. At some point, we will start publishing new videos. Uh, probably about the same time I, I guess I quit my job or something, so I have more time to do it. Also, if you're interested in editing some YouTube videos for us, get in touch. <laughs> you're completely unrelated. <laughs> Yes, if you want the fame and glory that comes with editing our YouTube videos, please write into us. If you just take pity on sad, very sad people, then please edit our videos for us. We will thank you greatly, and who knows, there may be uh, something in it for you, like a mention. The hours are long, but the money is bad, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, unbelievable. Who knows? Maybe we'll have to restart the show. But this week, we have a wonderful show lined up for you. We're going to talk about strategies and cards related to the color combination of white and red, not just the Boros Legion. This is following in the series that was started with our Demir episode, which Mr. Watson and the aforementioned Swede Robin Koss did about a year ago mm. and then we did with sean main for rakdos because of course we associate sean main with violence mindless violence <laughs> yeah mindless violence <laughs> and then this week we have the boros legion we did simic with andy hull oh, oh yeah. yeah yeah not to uh short change mr hull there that's right that was a, a that was a very fun episode and i'm sorry i forgot it when you think of the violence of groups and the uh, the way a mob drops reason entirely when they smash everything in their way to bits. Who do you think of, Sean? Uh, Shiv and Butt, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Why, of course. So even before Shivam joined us as a guest host, we were looking at having him on for the Boros Legion episode. And here we are. Sorry, I just had a... Flashback to the end of Ghostbusters. Choose your form of the Destroyer. And a giant 60-foot shivam starts stampeding <laughs> Columbus Circle. <laughs> if only I was better at Photoshop. <laughs> Let's just get right to our main topic. Shivam is not going to laugh for the rest of the show, which uh, is a challenge. Challenge. It's nice to want things, Phil. Speaking of not laughing... 
Why Boros? Well, my favorite card of all time when I was a kid was a land called Kajaldran Outpost, right? Uh, it's a white kind of land that uh, when it comes to play, you sacrifice a plane to put it in there, and you can uh, tap one in a white and tap it to make a 1-1 soldier token. And I was like, I love soldier tokens, and tokens are amazing. And right around that time was Gate Crash. I think it had just come out, and I was at the pre-release, and I'm like, oh my god, look at all these amazing like soldiers. You've got uh, Assemble the Legions that lets you make infinite soldier tokens. I can do it. I can finally make this amazing soldier deck I always wanted to. And I was looking around, and I'm like, okay, well, all the good soldiers are red and white, so like, I'm going to just go and uh, grab me a red-white soldier and make a deck. And there was, uh, in Dragon's Maze, the Boros runner was a dude named Tajik. And also, mm. it, like when I play D&D, I like to play paladins and soldiers and kind of the lawful army types. And I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. It'll be a theme deck. And then I started consuming uh, commander content. And what's the first thing I hear? The worst colors of all time <laughs> are red and white. Don't ever play them. You can't do anything. You will die forever. And I'm sitting here staring at a pile of mountains and plains that I got because I just went and bought a whole group of foil plains and uh, foil mountains or whatever. And I'm <laughs> making this deck and it's like, oh, I am in for a miserable goddamn time pretty much every time I sit down. Swearing. And it, it was true. It was true. <laughs> Turns out Boros is actually pretty terrible because it's mono fair and I love playing it and it's super fun. However, when you're playing against like, oh, okay, well, on my turn, I'm going to draw 350 cards and have a, you know, cast 16 spells for free and then put out, you know, counter spells and fireball, all this other nonsense. And I'm like, I put out a soldier token and turn him sideways. Two for one. <laughs> and it's like, ooh. Why did I do this? Look over at the Saltai players with wide-eyed envy. <laughs> right. Basically, when they're just sitting there like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to, you know, Phyrexian Arena, and then I'm going to draw a six million cards with Brain Geyser, and then I'm going to just shuffle my deck again and do it again, because who knows why. And I'm just like, I have no cards in hand. Uh, oh, look, I drew planes. Yay. <laughs> No, I don't know. Sometimes Boros can be really rampy. You know, Assemble the Legion is what? It's five converted mana cost, right? You can sometimes have that out by turn seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's seriously, it's like, I love it. I love the colors. I love the cards in it. I love the theme and the flavor of the Boros Guild. But I'm not going to pretend, I'm not going to lie to our listeners. Boros is not exactly the, you're not going to be burning any houses down, shall we say, with with your mastery of the set. You play Boros <laughs> not because you want to like do flashy things. You play it because you're really into these cards. Like for me, the, being able to play like Avacyn and being able to play Cathar's Crusade and then, you know, doing things like cycling white card that give you uh, soldier tokens. Uh, one of the decrees, isn't it? Decree yes, it's like virtue or something. Yeah, decree of something. Uh, like you, when you play that and you put out like, you know, 30 soldiers at one go and then Cathar's Crusade ticks in and suddenly you have like a whole group of gigantic soldiers. It's amazing. It is super fun. And I mean, when you win with this, you feel good about yourself because you did it honorably. You did it fair. But when you win, it's because the other four players killed each other before you got there. <laughs> Oh yeah, we're we're going to talk about some really fair cards a little bit later, like ones that steal all of your creatures and give you two combat phases. It's totally fair. It's totally fair. <laughs> so, 
very quick overview of my experience of Boros is this. Phil told me to build some less tuned decks for Vegas so I don't just uh, do my usual tricks and demure everyone off the table. The first thing I built where I thought, what's the worst thing I could build was a Boros deck. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, it's funny because it's true. No one can complain I'm being a power gamer when I've got a Aurelia Angels deck. Well, I just needed you to make some decks that were, you know, down around my level of <laughs> capability. Phil's going to eat my face with Marath. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Marath is a strict vegetarian these days. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's Rith. Rith is going to eat your face. Mm. Yeah, on, again, turn eight or nine. <laughs> Kind of an overview of Boros, right? Boros being uh, red and white. It the We call it Boros because of the Boros Legion, which first appeared in the Ravnica set, I believe. Certainly the original Ravnica block. And it typifies the two archetypes of white and red that are lots of creatures, usually fast, small, aggressive creatures working together in concert. And the combination, in theory, especially, well not even in theory if you're playing a constructed format, is white and red will be fast, lethal, and end the game quickly. Now, in Commander, of course, the disadvantage is that we tend to play longer games and we want bigger creatures because lots of little creatures tend not to be very effective in our format as a result. We tend to play lots of bigger creatures because we have more life, and so smaller creatures tend not to be as uh, effective in our format. So instead of doing 20 damage, you have to do against three people 120, you know. Right. And a 2-2 white knight in (laughs) a constructed format, just, you know, it, it might cut it when you have 20 life, maybe, but it certainly doesn't cut it when you have 40 life and three other people have 40 life too. Yeah, that is definitely one of the greatest weaknesses of uh, Boros is that you can run out of gas really quickly. Yeah, yeah. And also one of the strengths of red is its ability to do direct damage. And again, in our format, you have to cast a large number of lightning bolts even just to kill one person, let alone three other people sitting at the table with you. And because the creatures are larger, you tend to have to spend more mana to do direct damage enough to kill those creatures. And so burn or direct damage isn't really a great strategy in Commander either. So we'll uh, talk about some strengths and weaknesses. What strengths are you going to take advantage of in Commander? Now, Shivam, you have more experience playing Boros than either yeah, of us. Yeah, sure. So, what so would you do? the thing is, it's not all dire and like dismal the way we made it sound. The thing is about Boros is that one of the things that's one of the greatest advantages of this color scheme is that compared to a lot of the other color combinations, Boros is very fast. And because it's fast, while the other guys are taking, you know, eight, nine turns to get really kind of going with all their ramp and their setup, Boros can really start just eating away at people really, really quickly. Aside from the swarms of tokens and going wide with all of your guys, you can also get a lot of flyers in your these colors with like the dragons, the angels, a lot of just things that incidentally give all your dudes flying or vigilance or stuff like that. And so you have a lot of evasion. Like yeah. there's a lot of evasion. There's a lot of ways to make your guys get in there for incremental damage. And yeah, it might not look like much when you're hitting them for three or four a pop but when you're doing it with 12 creatures it starts to add up really quickly yeah 
Big fat flyers with few drawbacks. Yeah, like, I mean, think about it. You get to play Baneslayer Angel. You get to play Avacyn. You get to play both Avacyns, really. Angry Avacyn and Happy One. You get to play as, like, any of the dragons. <laughs> and there's just infinite numbers of, like, giant flyers you can use to really yeah. just beef up your thing. The other thing that these two colors have that is absolutely maybe the best thing they've got going on is the fact that they've got the best removal in basically our format. You've got Plowshare, you've got uh, Path to Exile, Condemn, even though Tuck isn't a rule anymore, it still gets rid of a thing. Um, You've got all of these different ways to obliterate and just, even the card obliterate, and just get rid of all of these uh, troublesome issues you have. And you can use like... Yes. uh, Turn to Dust. You've got uh, all the Wrath effects. Wrath, uh, for instance, you've got um, Jockalops if you're having issues with Lots of weird things like lands and enchantments and stuff. They're just, it's really, really easy with white and red to clean down the board and bring everybody back to your level. And because these colors have all these swarms and quick creatures, it's really easy to reload your board with a lot of garbage to get in the way and just start attacking people. So there's downsides and upsides. And as long as you learn how to manage and mitigate those downsides, it's much easier it's it's playable. It's still recoverable in a way that people don't necessarily think of when they think of Boros. For instance, the weaknesses we have, obviously, is ramp, right? The biggest weakness mm. is that these two colors are terrible with mono ramp, with, like, three exceptions. You've got, like, land tax, which has got to be a must-add in any white or white-red deck. It lets you get... As long as you have less lands than everybody... Uh, than any one other player you can go through your library and get three basic lands to put them into your hand and that's both card draw because it gets lands out of your deck and into your hand and gives you pseudo uh kind of at least guaranteed land drops and there's other like white cards that'll let you do that as well but red has like nothing right like you've got some of the <laughs> rituals but you don't want to put a yeah. ritual into a commander deck that's just a really bad idea in general so Man you end up is good yeah, I mean, okay, look, you got Mana Gadget, you got Mana Flare, weird things like that, but by and large, you're not going to be depending on those. You definitely would want to use a lot of Mana Rocks, a lot of the uh, things like Armillary Sphere or the various artifacts that let you fetch lands and ramp Soul Rings, your Signets. So all your ramp is almost always going to be Artifact. But one of the things about White is that White lets you tutor for Artifacts. So you can definitely at least make it easier on yourself to get some of these guys out into play. Now, right. the trade-off is also their hands-down the worst card card drawing colors in the game. And <laughs> just, there's like no getting around it. I mean, you have to use uh, Chandra's uh, zero ability that'll let you elk and bottle yourself, or you have to use the one guaranteed soldier that every deck needs, Mentor of the Meek. And there's the, uh, was a Bygone Bishop? Was that the one from Innistrad that also let yep, you yep. Uh, draw cards? And then, God, man, I, I like to use things like Wheel of Fortune or the uh, Miracle version of Wheel of Fortune. I think it Reforged the Soul, they called it, which let you find ways to draw cards. And then there's like bad ways like Oblation where you can use that to destroy one of your own creatures to draw some cards. And of course, mm-hmm. Skull Clamp because you're going to mm-hmm. have a million tokens Sorry, buddy, you're going to have to take one for the team. That's the uh, Boros way. Everybody else will be better for your sacrifice. Thank you. But don't (laughs) 
don't, don't, don't put that soul, that skull clamp out until you're absolutely ready to use it because it's going to be the first thing to get trashed every yeah. friggin' time. Especially if you're playing Boros because everybody knows that's pretty much your only card draw. Yeah, it really, yeah. really is. <laughs> the other thing is if somebody else uses that wrath on you, that's just going to end your day. <laughs> I hope, yeah. <laughs> I hope you have a lot of indestructible. But fortunately, because you're in white and red, you have a lot of indestructible, but still an, a, a, a timely board wipe will stall a Boros player in his or her tracks. Yes. Yes, it will. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, the top five commanders, according to EDH Rec, in the Boros colors are, I'm going to do this as a chart rundown. That's right, Pop Pickers, in at number five, it's the giant whose namesake god doesn't even trigger her ability. She's that badly designed. It's Kalemne, <laughs> Disciple of Iroas. In at number four, you picked your favorite uh, soldiered leader. That's right, it's Tragic. Sorry, I mean Tagic. In at number three, it's the Theros God that makes you go, oh yeah, Boros did get a god, didn't they? It's Iroas. <laughs> And at number two, you knew her before she was a two-headed death monster. It's Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight. And in at number one, your favorite Boros commander. That's right. The lady that makes you look twice because she's stabbing you twice. It's Aurelia, <laughs> the war leader. Woo, pop pickers. Wow. Yeah. And of course... uh. Tajik and Aurelia are actually from the Boros Guild, the Boros Legion. Yeah, basically. Aurelia took over after Razia was deemed unworthy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. You can no doubt guess by now some of the strategies include aggro, where it's just all creatures all the time rushing to beat your face, and there are a number of commanders in this color combination. In fact, more than any other strategy is supported. I wish Watson would more than find something strategy. else to do with Boros other than just turn things sideways in a unique and different way. Oh, well, sir, then we have a few tribal commanders just for you. We have actually two Depala pilot exemplars. So instead of just turning creatures sideways, they can be dwarves or vehicles. Hey, she kind of draws cards as well. Yeah, lots of card draw. I just have to say that uh, I actually have a gigantic Depala card that I yep. won from PAX uh, in a contest that they held. Basically, it was like during the uh, PAX Kaladesh reveal, they had all those oversized cards, and they're like, if you could bring a dwarf thing, you can have Depala. And I actually have a good story about that. So my Tajik deck is a soldier tokens deck, right? And each of the soldier tokens I have was hand-drawn by a different member of Wati R&D. Because uh, I asked, I sent it and, and I asked him to do that for me. And one of the ones I got back was from Ari Levich, who is, uh, was a member of the creative team, who is on the Kaladesh design team, who brought dwarves back to Kaladesh. So he drew a dwarven soldier for me for a 1-1 token. So when at PAX, they were like, okay, bring something dwarfy to uh, this place and the most dwarfy thing will win this giant card. And I was like, how about this soldier token that happens to be hand-drawn on a real magic card by the guy who brought dwarves back to magic who is also a dwarf? And they were like, well, <laughs> that is better than what I got. So, yes, you can have Dapala. And now I've got a gigantic Dapala card that's sitting in my office right here. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. The irony of owning an oversized dwarf card is not lost on you. <laughs> I love it. It's actually life-sized is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, Dabala is actually a really great commander. Her, I mean, there's not a lot there for her yet, and all the red dwarves kind of really, really suck from the olden days. However, if you could do so many cool things with the uh, the ability, which is uh, whenever Dabala becomes tapped, you can pay X, and if you do, reveal the top X cards of your library and put all dwarves and vehicles into your hand, uh, and the rest on the bottom. And being able to draw cards that are unique and different in Boras is so novel that it's actually worth playing. And for a 3-3 three, three for 3, that is pretty great, just off the bat. Yeah. Also, another tribal commander is Munda Ambush Leader. You know, for four <sighs> converted mana costs, he basically does the same thing whenever he or another ally enters play. Under your control, of course, you can look at the top four cards of your library, and if uh, there are any allies in there... <laughs> I actually want to make you, an allies deck. I've been really excited top. to do that. But I'm going to use the five color one because why would you limit yourself to like the just two of the five colors when allies yeah. are in every color? That just Linda got silly made obsolete or like immediately into the 99 the very next set in that block. Yeah, What's I would the just five like, that's color ally commander called? Brain's gone to Tazri. Tazri. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she is awesome. Like, I really want to play yeah. her. Oh, yes. But that's another episode. We also have legends that lend themselves to control strategies, such as Bassandra Battle Seraph. Uh, Seraph. Seraph. But I know. Seraph. Bassandra Battle Seraph. Okay, Seraph. Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, and Razia, Boros Archangel. This color combo even supports token strategies, really only with Tajik, uh, Tajik Blade of the Legion. But he's not a token commander at all. But because of Tajik's battalion ability, he lends himself to going wide yes, and, that is know, of course, true. as rapidly yes. as possible. And you can do that with tokens because white is phenomenal with tokens. Yes. Eros is also actually pretty good with tokens because all of your guys get menace, which oh, yeah. is better yeah. than you would think, especially like having been playing a lot in Amica where menace is on like everything. It's really, really frustrating when you've got 12 guys coming at your face and you thought you would have good blocks, but you really don't because you have to split them up. And it's a way under, like, Eros is a really good card for your 99 just in general. Yeah. It's it's a good leader if you want to make an interesting kind of devoted token deck. One of the guys Sean will meet on Monday actually runs an Eros Chaos deck. We have forced him to take out, oh, possibility storm. Possibility Storm. We forced him to take Possibility Storm out. already knew what it was before you said it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's taken that out, and he's really apologetic because that was the game, the only game of Commander in which I've actually gotten salty in the last three years was was that game the other night. It was terrible. But he was running Aroas as the Commander because, you know, everybody gets Menace, so why not? It's amazing. I love it. We don't, like, Anax and Siamede is a token Commander, but is a terrible token commander. You know, so... heroic is just such a letdown because <sighs> there's no good believe. there's no good white cards that you want to target your dudes with. Like if you're putting white cards into a commander deck, you're generally not going to target your guys with them, right? Like because it's removal. It's, it's like, the best yeah, removal. Yeah, I'm definitely in the going to plow my own commander. That's a great idea. <laughs> that double strike heroic guy was good in uh, Theros block standard. Oh yeah, sure. He was great and limited and great and standard, but yeah, some keywords just aren't for us, you know. No, <laughs> no, not so much. What do you guys think of Avis and the Purifier as a token? Uh, if you boss? want to wrath all your tokens, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a, That's exactly what I was thinking. She's a control commander, isn't she? So I yeah, like her I a lot, a but I wouldn't put her into my deck. She's basically like 
all the soldiers would be like, help us, Avatar. Oh, no! I'm on fire, <laughs> and it burns forever. She is uh, an angel not in my Boros Angels deck, actually. Yeah, yeah she's too much of a liability. Exactly. I, I kept thinking about putting her in there because she's got neat tricks, but flipping over would obliterate my team. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, that's what it was doing to me. Maybe I won't do that. Loads of the really cool angels like Linvala have got only got like three power. Uh, toughness, yeah, sorry. Right? And she's just like, oh, I've just trashed my board for no real benefit. Yay? <laughs> Everybody else is just sitting there going, uh, thank, thank you. Thanks. Man, <laughs> she is so angry. Oh, basically. she just kills everybody. That flippable um, playmat was very cool that Wizards did with her on there. Yeah. Yeah. Flip your playmat halfway through the game. Oh, there's a design flaw in this, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked about the the strategies overall, and we didn't go into the commanders for aggro, but we'll get to them, I'm sure. Mm. In the meantime, we did identify some staple cards in Boros decks. Sean, you want to lead us off there? Staples. Okay, so we kind of broke these down. We're not going to go into these cards in too much detail, otherwise we'll be here nah. all day while we just talk about yeah. cards. So we're going to do it by category. So one of the things that red does better than any other color, literally any other color, is gives everyone haste. Uh, the best cards for this are anger, fervor, hammer of perforos, and if you're running a lot of flyers, I actually recommend dragon tempest. Oh yeah, good call. What does that one do? Gives all creatures you control with flying haste, and whenever a dragon comes into play, it burns someone for each dragon you control. But it's only a two-drop enchantment. And wow, like, that sounds amazing. It's in my angel yeah. tribal because of the thirty creatures I run, twenty-eight of them have flying. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, I feel like that would be really good in something like Kalia, and it's like a gumble card from uh dragons of tarkia as well we talked about how like red and white lose some of their best strategies uh, and abilities in commander as a format but giving everyone haste is incredibly powerful in Commander. i actually need to get fervor for my deck now i had never seen this card before and it would be amazing in my tokens deck yeah fervor oh, is just yeah. creatures you control have haste Oh my god, that sounds, it's like an expensive Concordant car- Crossroads, but that I can play. <laughs> and doesn't give your opponent's <laughs> creatures haste. <laughs> oh my fact, god. Is I, there I, a I'm... non-red card other than Concordant Crossroads that gives all creatures haste? Uh, Samut, but she's like green and red. No, that is not a non-red card then, sir. Uh... Phil, I think we need to explain to Shivan what non-red means. isn't there that one blue artifact a blue creature that brings a thopter in that gives all your artifact creatures haste yeah it's a very corner casey linear so yeah there's my point so if you're looking at aggro strategies giving everyone haste is fantastic and if you give all your dragons or angels in boros i suppose uh, haste that is a very powerful ability yeah you yeah. can definitely break face with that that sounds amazing now it's a little more vulnerable but if you're putting fervor in then you should also be putting hammer of perforos in because you can always sacrifice a land to get a 3-3 golem I would say one of my favorite cards oh, overall is Boros Charm oh what a card Boros yeah. Charm is so vital to my deck it's not even funny yeah. like 
It's maybe one of the great... First off, I think it's personally the best charm of all of them. Yeah, I agree. And it's just so useful. And so, Okay, so let me just read it to people. Uh, it's obviously one red and one white uh, for the instant, and you choose one. One is uh, deal four damage to target player. Meh. One is all your, uh, target creatures gains double strike until end of turn. Ooh. And, of course, the most important one, permanent you control gain indestructible until the end of turn. And that's the money shot. I cannot tell you how many times this card has saved my butt by just being like, oh, I've got like, you know, 38 tokens and they're all gigantic. And the other guy's like, you know what? I'm uh, just going to hit you with the damnation or a wrath of God or something. And I'm like, nope. No, you're not. Nope. As it turns out. <laughs> Have you ever popped off a Sunforger in order to get the Boros charm <laughs> and then make your stuff indestructible? <laughs> I have definitely done that before. And it has been the greatest <laughs> yeah. usage of four mana ever. Oh. Sunforger, I think, is way, way, way underrated, given how yeah. amazingly cool it is, even in, like, Mardu or, you know, Jeskai decks or something like that. Uh, it's the three mana uh, equipment that... Gives your uh, dude plus four plus oh, which is by itself great. But you can pay one red and one white to unattach it and search your library for a red or white instant with converted mana cost four or less and play it for free. That is incredible. <laughs> that is like, I've used Sunforger to tutor up uh, Swords of Plowshares. I've used it to tutor up any number of like just stupid things to just wreck people with out of nowhere. And they can see it coming. It's sitting on the table. The thing is, though, it's so useful with, like, getting that utility thing you need right now. If you're running Tithe, which is a, a one-use-only land tax, but is an instant for a white, you, you can yeah. use it almost as a semi-mana fixer. You know what I have done that has been really annoying to somebody? So they tapped out for a giant X spell that they were going to do. Something, like, that would have, like, wrecked... I think it was a bonfire, right? Like, full tap out, try to clean the table, win it with everything... I unattached Sunforger to search for a mana tithe out of my deck to counter that spell, and they were so mad. It was amazing. Mana tithes, oh, they never see it coming, even when they know it's there, because nobody expects a white counter spell. It's the greatest thing of all time. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, and with Sunforger, it costs three, and it's worth every penny. It's so, so, this card, seriously underrated. If you're playing white or red in any capacity, you absolutely should think about heavily about having this card in there. You think of Sunforger basically as a five manner, 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 as a five manner tutor. <laughs> yeah, it's the New Yorker in me trying to struggle with tutor. 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 As to the tutors. For five mana, you tutor for any instant. It's just great. It's, a, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. But here's the thing, though. Is like Boros Charm, the one thing people tend to forget about mm. is that double strike that's there. It turns yeah. out that if you use Boros Charm to double strike your giant indestructible mega buffed Voltron uh, Boros Commander who's carrying four swords and lightning greaves, turns out you can just punch somebody in the face and kill them. <laughs> if you're carrying four swords, you can't because you are uh, mathematically have to be immune to white or red. Oh yeah. So sod you. <laughs> I've used it on Zergo. I didn't say they all had to be swords of blank and blank. Oh, they could be true. sword of the payroom. Could be a sword of vengeance. <laughs> Speaking of swords, of it could be our next category, which sword is sword of vengeance is my personal choice. I was going to go with sword of the animists. Uh, oh, so yes. 
ramping is almost impossible outside of mana rocks in Boros, but you can, as we've said before, mana fix quite well. So land tax, if you can't afford that because it's not the cheapest card, tithe or gift of estates allow you to pull land cards from your deck into your hand. There's also Knight of the White Orchid, uh, which is a cool little 2-2 first strike that gets you a planes. But Sword yeah. of the Animist, I would say, is an absolute essential in every Boros deck. Yes. Two drop equip for two. Equip creature gets plus one, plus one. But here's the good bit. Whenever a quick creature attacks, doesn't have to deal damage, you may search your library for a basic land card, any type, and put it onto the battlefield tapped. Mm-hmm. Then shuffle your library. That is the yeah, greenest card you will see in every Boros deck ever. It really is, but it's also just so, so important to have because the fact that it puts it onto the table straight automatically makes it better than land tax and all the other ones because that actually is ramp. That means next turn when you untap, you're going to have that extra land. Mm -hmm. And if you double strike with it, woo! look, you just pulled two lands. (laughs) And a lot of Boros guys have double strike. Not double strike. You mean when if you get two combat phases? So Aurelia, oh, sorry, it's two my Aurelia phases. deck because, for example, yeah, yeah not, it's not do damage twice. It's when you have two combat phases, and yes, a lot of Boros uh, decks do get multiple combat phases. Yep, it's okay. solid, dude. It's solid. It's an absolute staple. Moving on, the other thing you have problem with is card draw. Now, guys, if I was to tell you that you've got to discard your hand and draw seven new cards, what color do you generally associate that sort of effect with? <laughs> like red well yeah most, it's red most people think of it I think nowadays as a blue colour with cards like winds of uh, not winds of change wheel of fortune that is also a red card I know I'm just going for it I meant to say windfall I meant to say windfall days undoing time spiral Actually, Wheel Effects is reference to Wheel of Fortune, which is the original card that did this, which is a red card. So, yeah, no cards in your hand. You draw one of these cards, that's it. You get seven new cards. And I would argue that's more beneficial to you as the Boros player than it is the downside, which is your opponents will get seven new cards. In fact, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes an advantage, because there's always that Sultai player who's got 22 cards oh, in dude, his hand, isn't it? I've used this offensively many, many times because the fact that you sit there and you look at these guys who've got their consecrated sphinxes out there and they've drawn like, you know, a brick of cards or something and or they've spent their whole time sculpting the perfect hand and, you know, next turn they're going to go off with some weird nonsense. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, whoops, did I just uh, make you pitch your entire hand <laughs> into the graveyard and then draw seven random garbage cards? I think I just did. Hope you like yeah. those islands, buddy, because that's what you got. <laughs> it's great because, like, you, uh, when you're the Boros guy, you just want to refill your hand. You don't care what's in there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think these absolutely are, even though they're mono red cards, so they're not strictly Boros cards. They do. I've, I've noticed a theme actually, guys, in talking about these. None of these cards we're really talking about, with the exception of a couple, are Boros cards. They're all red or white cards that fix the inefficiencies of the Boros color combination. Well, but that's because when you think about the Boros cards themselves, the cards that are like, you know, gold colored or red and white or whatever, by and large, they're all roughly the same. They're all bodies that are pretty good 
that have some kind of double strike, haste, or flying. They have some kind of just really neat combat ability or something really tricksy in combat. Like there's like, you know, the Boros Captain or whatever that lets you decide blocks or Foundry Street Champion that lets you get, you know, super buff things. By yeah. I mean, they're all very straightforward combat things. And you know if your deck wants to have these types of combat effects. The thing about a Boros deck is not necessarily that the cards that are specifically gold are great, though there are some that are very, very good, like Goblin Bombardment or whatever. But th- mm-hmm. by uh, not Goblin Bombardment, there's the uh, red-white uh, Goblin card that makes Goblin Soldier Tokens. It's an enchantment that lets you also pay X. Uh, anyways, Goblin the point Warrens, is, yeah. yes, well, oh, Goblin yeah. Warrens is mono-red, but the point is all the cards that are really staples in Boros, card, in Bo- Boros Colors are cards that let you walk around the problems of white and red. Yes, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're still white and red. They're just not white and red together. The last staple I'm going to add on here, which we didn't have, which is also tutorable up by Sunforger, is effectively a Boros-specific, so it is white and red, instant that effectively says if you set your board up right, you kill someone, which is Master Warcraft. Yes, that's yeah, that's great. Yeah, two two white, uh, two hybrid white reds. Cast it before attack is declared. You may choose which creatures attack this turn, and you may choose how each creature blocks this turn, which you can either use to win or shaft someone else really badly. <laughs> this card is great at the end game when it gets really just insane, and then you can just start kind of like really tinkering with board states. Yeah. And if you fork it, then you can start just going to town <laughs> in weird, weird ways. Hold, hold on a second. Rise of the Hobgoblins. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, pay, I'll of, paste that of in. Of course, Rise of the Hobgoblins. Why didn't we automatically think of that well-played and often-seen yeah. cut? Look, man. It's expensive. Half of the things about being Boros is that you end up digging for a lot of random cards that you've never heard of before. Because that's if you want to find the good cards in the color, you're going to have to play cards you you would not have otherwise thought of. Okay, so... I thought perhaps, Shivam, you were referring to Squeeze Embrace. No, I was definitely referring to Rise of the uh, Hobgoblin. <laughs> also, the decree of earlier that we were talking about, the decree of justice. Justice, not oh, virtue. Yeah, yeah, yeah of decree of justice is actually a fantastic card. I like it a lot. But All right. Anyways... You want as many wheel effects as you can cram into your deck because you're going to need the card draw. But not and winds of, of change. But not winds of change. Yes, there's Wheel of Fortune, Reforged Soul, and Wheel of Fate, I want to say. Is that the yes. suspend one? Yeah. Yes. So aggro strategies are going to want a couple of very special cards, and mostly they're looking for <laughs> ways to get in, right? and or increase the number of times they can get in during a turn. So the poster child of these is Savage Beating. <laughs> these cards have I the just, best names. I always giggle. Yeah. <laughs> Savage Beating for five converted mana total. It's an instant with Entwine, and you can choose one of these, or both if you Entwine it. And you can only play it during your turn and only during combat. So creatures you control gain double strike until end of turn or untap all creatures you control. And after this phase, there is an additional combat phase. So that's four times the damage. Yeah. and it, Assuming that's 
all you can do. Well, it, it goes right along with its best friend, aggravated assault. Because <laughs> yep. after your savage beating, you just want to keep on beating with the <laughs> enchantment that for three mana, uh, for for five mana, lets you untap and get another attack combat phase, followed by yet another main phase, which is actually pretty baller. Sean, you pointed out there's a fun combination card with yeah, this. Yeah, so there? aggravated assault, which uh, is a enchantment for three mana, and then one red and two. You can pay three generic and two red, and you can take an additional additional combat step. Of course, if you copy <laughs> that with your sword of feast and famine, you get as many attack steps as your opponents uh, can't block. Oh. Just untap all so your land, nasty. take another attack step. Untap all your land, yeah. take another attack step. If your opponent is blacker or green with their primary sort of defense color, they're just screwed because the creature you're attacking with has pro black and green. And I actually <laughs> think we're getting to a point now where Sword and Feast of Famine is should just be considered up there with the Soul Rings of this world. It's that. I love that card. Yeah. I love that card. It's definitely. I mean. The fact that it untaps all your lands is it's just good. so good. Yeah. And it gives you protection from the most played color uh, outside of blue, which is green, and then uh, black, which is oh the my God. removal color. So yeah. we have a show notes here where we put our cards to talk about and stuff. And one of the cards we're looking at is uh, the Amonkhet Mythic that was in my original yep. in my original draft or in my original sealed from pre-release Combat Celebrant the four one that lets you exert it to get mm-hmm. another turn and another combat and I'm just looking <laughs> at it with all these other cards and it's like holy crap you can just like start chaining because aggravated assault gives all your, untaps all your dudes and you're just gonna yeah. be like exert and we're gonna have another combat and all the combat every combat forever <laughs> and it's just at some yeah. point after like the sixth combat phase i think you pretty much win <laughs> yeah i mean it's just great because you basically start machine gunning entire combat oh phases. my god that is amazing and if you have like <laughs> in play who's just like you know if you attack with a couple extra dudes it becomes a seven seven indestructible and then mm. you're just like oh i guess i just killed you with commander mm. damage multiple so times. Nice. Yeah, I mean, why <laughs> we mention so the sword, we should probably mention just very briefly, Boros can be a very good Voltron colour. It's got some excellent yeah. commanders for Voltron. But we're not going deep into that because I think going into Voltron Heavy is sort of dipping our toe into the mono-white equipment theme Yeah, I think, I think Boros Voltron is actually way better than people give it a lot of credit for because oh, yeah. there are so many good ways to get artifacts and buff artifacts and stuff in in red and white and like all, a lot of these uh commanders have things like indestructible or evasion that just make them like i'll be honest with you my tajik deck wins more often than not like if i was gonna say like you know 55 percent of the time it wins by the fact that tajik is just armored up and walking in there you know <laughs> and he's just hammering you in the face for a lot while your soldier friends run in and die to give him battalion yeah, and, and it's amazing. A Kiri line slinger from the partner commanders. Yeah. She's a Boros. Was it she or he? I forget. Anyway, they are a Boros um, Voltron commander. Absolutely, they are. Yeah, plus yeah. one, plus zero oh for each artifact you control. Just start stacking the equipment on there, yeah. and you can go to town. But as I say, we're not going to go deep onto Voltron. What we are going to look at though <laughs> is Red's bluest ability: threat and effect. I know it's unbelievable. <laughs> Deflection. <laughs> 
threaten fork uh, uh, oh, stealing ricochet. stealing stuff <laughs> stealing creatures specifically yes uh, so red was doing this in a different way to blue blue steals it permanently and slowly red takes things uses them then gives them back unless you've got a sack out there of course <coughs> goblin bum bum <laughs> Um, so good. Now, threaten effects are so called because of the card threaten. What does threaten do, Phil? <laughs> For two and a red, you get a sorcery that untaps a target creature and gains control of it until the end of turn. <laughs> Boy, you got a nice consecrated sphinx there. It sure would be a shame if anything were to happen to it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it gains haste so that you can add injury to the insult. <laughs> and then, of course, if you're doing it right, then you throw it at them with fling or goblin bombardment or Brian's stout arm. I think if you're uh, running a lot of threat and effects, you should probably run Ashnod's altar as well for the mana. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Oh my god, yeah, it's so turn good. them into more fuel. <laughs> and Phyrexian altar. Phyrexian yep. altar is expensive, though. Ashnod's altar is all yeah. over the place. Yeah. And uh, no one plays Phyrexian all day. So since, since Threaten, they've reprinted this card in various forms with various different coders. My favorite is Grab the Reins. So it's a uh, four mana Threaten. Yeah. But it has Entwine for three mana. And you can uh, gain, you cost Threaten. So gain control of a creature, it gains haste until end of turn. Its second part is Sacrifice a Creature. Grab the Reins deals damage equal to that creature's power to target creature or player. <laughs> so it wraps up what you want to do into one neat little package. It's your threaten yeah. and your fling. And it's instant. Hey, you want a Sunforge? <laughs> <laughs> if you ask people yeah. what the most powerful EDH red card is, I think this next card often well, gets it's... mentioned as the first place. Before we move on, it's important to recognize that grab the reins is a sacrifice effect. So if your opponent has an Avacyn out, <laughs> or a good Avacyn, you grab, you grab her reins, and then you execute her. And there's nothing they can do except cry a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you, as the red player, get to pretend you're Sorin just for a few minutes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> and you get to pretend to be a wall. Wait, what? No. <laughs> actually one thing before we move on to the uh well i guess we can keep going with this one i've got one extra category to add after this one cool but yeah get to adding so yeah the greatest though card of course that we all know is uh insurrection oh. which is the low low cost of eight mana five and three right mana win the game though <laughs> yeah well it is definitely eight mana and attack you with your soldier tokens untap all creatures gain control of all of them until end of turn and they mm. all gain haste and then if you do mm. that along with say combat celebrant or friends attack them again and again and again you know the amount of times i've been playing against a deck with red in it killed like two other opponents and suddenly an interaction comes in and i lose out of nowhere i'm like oh dear god <laughs> great you know it's the red crate hoof behemoth isn't it where you just go well done, you resolved interaction. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's game. kind of like, look, you made it that far into the game. We're like, yeah. you know, 15 turns in. Everybody's got a big board. Okay, somebody has to end it. I get it. You don't feel good about it, but it definitely wins. Yeah. And if the Boros player is alive 15 turns into the game, they sort of deserve the game. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair. Insurrection isn't the cheapest card in the world, but they did print in Fate Reforged effectively... 
a budget version of it that sneaks up on people and they don't see it coming and it's eminently more castable than eight mana where three of the pips are red. Yeah. And that is not a yeah. rule. And uh, being a man of Indian descent, I'm sure you've been attacked by mandrills as you're running along before, Shivam. Dude, you say that sarcastically. <laughs> However, I have definitely woken up more than once with a monkey in my grandmother's kitchen just wrecking shit. Like, monkeys are horrifically destructive and terrifying little, you know, buggers that'll just go and wreck your stuff. Like, you, you wake up s- with this loud clang and they'll just start throwing your pots and back. I'm talking, like, this thing is the size of a terrier, but it will tear your face off. So, yeah, when those yeah. two mandrels are ch- chasing after that dude in the mob rule pick, believe me, I feel his pain, because they're terrifying. There's four mandrels <laughs> yeah. in that picture, sir. Four mandrels. Oh, oh yeah, there are. Look at them. behind. Oh, <laughs> oh Remember, God. It's, it's not run, the monkey in your grandmother's run. bedroom that's going to get you. It's the monkey hiding under the bed that's going to get you. Sir. those guys <laughs> are the most just... <laughs> the monkey under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow, what nightmare fuel that is. So, huh? man, you <laughs> think they're rule. cute until they you tear your hand off and then you're not not so cute anymore, are you, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mob rule is like interaction, but you have to choose either all the creatures with power four or greater or all the creatures with power three or less. Yeah. I've been killed by mob rule more than once as well when I've not seen it coming. Do you know, when, you, when you're playing your colorless Kozilek Great Distortion Tribal Eldrazi deck... And someone steals all your titans and throws them back out. And goes, oh. I think that is in total Annihilator 12. You're like, oh, God. <sighs> well, oh God. I suppose I was going to do it to you, so I can't really complain. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't need those lands anyways. Uh, and they look <laughs> or those creatures. Going, or that life total. <laughs> those, those three titans, they cost how much in pounds? Because my mob rule was 25 cents. <laughs> and red's awful isn't it <sighs> so, yeah gosh mob rule, I guess I'll just have to sacrifice these guys secret tech yeah, but you, you have to get to six mana to do it so yeah but that's, whatever you know, that's a soul ring so. and, a, and a mana uh, the, the um, mana vault and you just call it a day <laughs> yeah with your one red land <laughs> when you resolve mob rule there's a line from uh, the film Team America well pleased that I'm going to clean up so we don't get a bleep but it's surprise boop monkey <laughs> and you should res- <laughs> you should surprise you should say that every time you resolve mob rule <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's a lot of our favorite staples of uh, so, yeah, before we go aggro. on there's one more thing for aggro strategies that's super important that we forgot to mention and that's every now and again you run into that guy who's got 800 plant tokens in play and is you know Avenger of Zendikar and <laughs> you're just like how will my soldiers get through this good thing you asked Phantom Straw Man who is asking me all these questions <laughs> why there are things that say you know target creature cannot block we call those uh, falter effects from the olden days. However, that's right. Yeah, one of the things that's really important is there's a couple of ways in uh, red that you can use to make all of your aggro and token strategies work a lot better. One of my favorites is recently printed in cons called Barrage of Boulders, which is the uh, three mana sorcery that deals one damage to each creature you don't control, which unto itself will just clean out all those stupid plant tokens and phthalates. But if you have a creature with power four or greater, then creatures cannot block this turn. And that 
is so huge when you <laughs> want to do that alpha strike. And once you're doing your crazy aggravated beatings and just wrecking people with multiple attack steps, if nobody can block, that just wins you the game. Yeah, Barrage of Boulders, Sword of Feast and Famine, Aggravated Assault, I win. Yeah, it's Even kind of one of those I've cards got a that... single 4-4, like, four, four, I win. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... It's a card that people don't think about a lot because it was just a draft common, but it does so much work when you're doing a tokens deck because clearing the path means that you can win. Similarly, there's that uh, older ah. Urza Saga enchantment, Bedlam, that's a creatures can't block, but that hurts you too because it means you can't block. But I mean in a pinch, right? <laughs> <laughs> Would you run on... Um... Like, all creatures get vigilance effects. I guess that crosses aggro and tokens. Because one of the problems with aggro is it means you tap out, which means you can't block and leaves you open to being attacked back in the face. And vigilance across everything in both tokens and all aggro strategies is really good. Oh, I love vigilance, especially in my deck with Intangible Virtue, the anthem that gives all your tokens plus one, plus one, and vigilance. It's amazing yeah. because it is when you want to attack, you can still be free. Because in Boros, let's be real, the entire purpose of this deck is to turn your guy sideways and get a, uh, other people down to zero. But it means that you're going to be you're attacking every turn. Because if you're not attacking, you're not doing anything in this deck in these colors. And so you absolutely want to you rely on things like Vigilance or on things that untap all your creatures because you need to be able to have that surety that you're going to live till next turn right yeah and i guess in boros tokens you run all three of the gods that you can run they're all you know i i I like i like heliod and i like perforos but i don't necessarily run eros but yeah basically you want to um whatever you can do especially there's things like avison's monument that gives you or not avison's what's her name the other one hazaret oketra Mm-hmm. A you mean five a gods, Sean? That's what it is. A chroma is one of five gods. I don't think you run Hazaret. No. Although Hazard? you are going to often well, not could, have cards Well, you could, because you're going to have no card to hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, so I'm wow, sure maybe. I've never built a token deck of any color combination. So I've literally what? built a token deck in every color. <laughs> that is like almost all I do, actually. But yeah, you also, before we move on to the token thing, the last thing I want to say about aggro is uh, the classic cards of Indestructible. We already mentioned Boros Charm, but the other ones are things like Ajani's, I don't remember what it was called. It was, uh, one second. Ajani's Flim Flam. Yeah, it's a Strive card. Do you remember <laughs> Strive? I do. Basically, the point is, you want all of these cards like Rootborn Defenses and Ajani's Presence, that's what it is that let you get the ability to give multiple creatures of yours indestructible at one time, because that way you can make sure your army survives to attack another turn. Indestructible, literally any card that will grant all your people indestructible is worth at least looking at for a Boros sick, because that's the only chance you have to survive the easiest way to kill you. Right. But now my dream deck, the token deck, ah, tokens, I love you so much. All the little one ones that just spread all over the table, turn sideways and smack. Obviously, the key cards here are things like Assemble the Legion, which is the five mana for three and uh, red white that will let you enchantment that lets you get 
you put a counter on this card and you get a 1-1 red and white hasty soldier token for each counter on it, which means turn one, there's one counter, turn two, turn three, and then by the time you like turn five comes around, if you're still around, uh, you're going to just start getting armies. Similarly, Rise of the Hobgoblins from uh, Eventide was a really neat little design of a two-hybrid casting cost enchantment that said pay X, and if you do, you can put X 1-1 creatures, and then you can pay either red-white hybrid to give your red and white creatures first strike until end of turn. It's a super neat way to get like one-shot tokens, but also you want to make sure you have Decree of Justice, which is like the greatest token-making card in white ever, because you can pay full cost to get angels for 4-4 flying angel tokens, or you can cycle it, draw the card, which mitigates the issue of not being able to draw a card, pay X and get X 1-1 soldier tokens, which is amazing. Mm. And being able to draw a card and get a crap ton of soldiers is great. The other thing is there's a couple of uh, static cards that let you get tokens, like Mobilization, the two-and-a-white enchantment from Onslaught or something like that, which was... A, it gives all your soldiers uh, vigilance and lets you, for two-and-a-white, put out a 1-1 one, one soldier token into play. And, of course, my favorite card of all time, Kajeldron Outpost, which lets you get a 1-1 one, one soldier every turn. But there, you're, there's not a lot of uh, gain in getting things from once, one-at-a-time one-offs, because... Getting a 1-1 every turn or so is kind of pathetic, right? Mm -hmm. However, there are cards like Call the Nomads or something like that from Raja the Eldrazi, which let you get a whole bunch of soldiers and then rebound that spell and get it again. Actually, though, what I am going to talk about right now is a card that you've probably never heard of for a, until you've seen a token strategy, Catapult Master, which is no, one. I, know, like, I love that card yeah. so much. It's like five mana for a 3-3 three, three soldier, but if you tap five untapped soldiers, you can just exile target creature repeatedly, and in this deck, you're just going to have soldiers, and it's so good to just be able to like exile whenever you want, whatever you want. Yeah, speaking as the resident Ailey player, I know what it feels like to be able to exile whatever you want, whenever <laughs> you want. Trust me. Nomad's Assembly, that's what the stupid card is called. Four and two white. Put a 1-1 one, one white soldier, uh, core soldier token creature for each creature you control. And then cast rebound so you do it again next turn. That is incredible. Because I've had turns where, like, two turns later, I've got, I went from a table of, like, four soldiers to a table of, like, 40. Because of just tricky nonsense from these amazing soldier makers. Shivam, there's a card <laughs> that I've been looking at here in the show notes where you've put stuff in that... Do you know what would make those four soldiers into 40 into 80 an anointed possession <laughs> yeah and... dude ethan gave me a gift he <laughs> said you know what shivan wants he has always wanted to have a doubling season for his soldiers deck parallel i should lives. make him one parallel a lives. parallel lives for his soldiers deck so i'm gonna make him one and i've got like six of them on magic online and none of them in real life and it just makes me salty so salty I want this card so badly. You have no expensive, idea. Man. No, but I just haven't gotten around to it. <laughs> they might become expensive. Yeah, but this card is just so many tokens, all the tokens. I would definitely get this card now. Yeah, because I'm sure like every white deck ever is going to want it. Well, it's not just that. It's that uh, Hour of Devastation is very likely to include a whole bunch of token generators. Fair. Also, I wanted yeah. to mention one of my favorite multi-purpose token generators. 
Marshall Koo from uh, Conflux. <laughs> yeah, it's a great good. card. X and two white, which is a uh, sorcery that says put X one one white soldiers in play, and if X is five or more, destroy all other creatures. That is like one of the great cards that comes out of nowhere, <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what just happened? You're like, oh, I just put out a craft on the soldiers, and whoops, did I kill everything you have? Oh gosh, I've just had a thought. <laughs> I've got a challenge for you, Shivam. So, presuming it's not fake, that leaked tie jam Ojitai Master, which gives all instants and sorceries rebound. Azorius, oh, Azorius <laughs> sorcery creating, sorcery instants token creators token deck. Go, do it. An Azorius token deck. Oh, I Ooh. might do that. In fact, that's going. Oh God, that sounds like that. a good time. I've never done tokens. Yeah, Temet is already well suited to do that. Yes. on deck, man. And uh, Avon Windrider would be amazing in a Azorius tokens deck. I just think the amount of good sorceries instants that interact with tokens, um, rebounding them all is good. Unfortunately, a few of them have got X in, sadly. Mm. Also, I want to uh, mention the two of, of my favorite cards of all time, which were also impetus for making this deck: Hero of Bladehold and my boy Brimaz. Because they both bring in soldiers with them all the time, and they're just like always attacking, always turning sideways, and always bringing friends. You want to play as many of those guys as you can. Two other cards that token decks and Boros want are Legion Loyalist, which has Battalion and says whenever it attacks with those creatures, then creatures you control gain first strike and trample, and can't be blocked by creature tokens. I love that guy. <laughs> it is yeah, that's so really good. sneaky. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's one of those ironic cards where it goes into a token deck and then hoses tokens. And then, of course, we'll talk about him a little bit later uh, if there's anything left to talk about. Tajik, Blade of the Legion, who is your favorite commander, Shivam, so I'll save that for later. And then, of course, it's, you know, kind of a herder card because it's very obvious. But Avacyn, Angel of Hope, right, gives everything you have indestructible. And when you have a lot of tokens, and maybe if you're not buffing them with anthems or anything else like that, then this makes sure that they can fire into an opponent and not die. <laughs> As the resident Sorry. Demir player, everyone should play Avacyn Angel of Hope, because I love to. Yes. You pay eight for yours, I pay four for mine. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. The, the bribery and the treacheries and the... And the clones uh, oh, yeah. and, and the, the clones and all the, the other magics. things. Yeah, it's funny. I I used to see that card all the time, Avacyn, Angel of Hope. And now I hardly see her, and I think it's in part because of the number of bribery, threat, and effects, and other ways to just basically steal a creature outright. Too powerful to give your it's opponent. Funny. Just too powerful. It, yes. You feel real bad when somebody takes your Avacyn. Like, you're just full of regret in life. <laughs> So if you are playing with tokens, you want to buff your team as much as possible. And so the standard anthems, the Cathars Crusade, the Intangible Virtue, and so forth. And even the original... Crusade Crusade. Crusade, yeah. <laughs> crusade Crusade. And then, of course, Eldrazi Monument, where everything gets flying, plus one, plus one, and indestructible, but you have to sack a creature every yeah. upkeep. Gosh. Oh, man, my one one soldier has to go away. Or a Chroma's Memorial, where... It gets a whole suite of effects. Everyone becomes part. a Chrome Angel of Wrath. Dude, I, you know what, though? I've definitely won the game where I'm staring down a dude who's got, like, you know, his Crater Hoof Behemoth and, like, a whole bunch of just 
ginormo tree folk or whatever the hell is going on. And you're like, oh, my little dude, I've got like 12 one ones. Drop a crumb of the memorial. Suddenly they're all giant flying, like, you know, hasty protection from this and that nonsense. And oh, it's just like, oh, so whoops, that's your face. A crumb of the memorial is yeah. so good. It's getting pricey again, by the way. It needs a reprint. Yeah, yeah that card is just like, I love it. I love it. I love it. Wizards needs to increase accessibility to that card, sir. <laughs> Next time we have someone on, we'll talk to them about That's that. Serious. And then, since you have all of these tokens and maybe are stealing a few creatures from your opponent, you want sacrifice effects, a cr- really cheap and incredible sacrifice effect, Goblin Bombardment. Do you know the amount of times I've lost to a Goblin Bombardment? <laughs> this card is just bonkers town. It's a, a two-mana enchantment that sacrifice a creature, Goblin Bombardment, deals one damage to target creature or player. <laughs> it seems so small, but when you're just sacking a crap ton of units, it's just like, oh, golly. I've yeah. seen someone drop that, and then the rest of the Redeem player across the table says, I'm not playing my commander again, am I? And like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boom, you certainly boom, are boom. not. <laughs> And then Skull Clamp, where if you have a lot of little tokens like Red and White tends to have, then you can staple the Skull Clamp onto somebody and get two cards off of that for one mana. It's beautiful. Most efficient card draw in the game, really. Mm-hmm. Also, all the Elspeths. Every Elspeth makes soldier tokens. You want to use them. Right. Yeah, Elspeth right. Sun's Champion, I think we thought was probably the best. Um, we should review that topic, but at the time we thought it was probably the best EDH Planeswalker because it creates tokens, but it's also a board wipe. Oh, I love it. It, <laughs> it it won me a game against Gavin Verhey the other day. He was playing my zombies deck, and he had a bunch of whole giant like zombies that had been buffed up with tokens. His Grim Grin was like 17, 17, and all this nonsense. I drop Elspeth, and I have Perforos on the table, mm. and suddenly it's just like, okay, well, I Wrath to kill all your dudes, and then next turn I just pop out three tokens, hit you for six, and win. And he's just like, oh no. Oh yeah, Perforos. You need to have Perforos. I mentioned, Put yeah, Perforos in your tokens deck. I mentioned the gods before, all five, I guess, now. But, um, yeah, they're the three, all The, the <laughs> three yeah. Theros gods, Perforos. He draws you a lot of hate, but he is a good win con in any tokens deck that runs red. In fact, he's a good win con in any deck that runs red. Yeah. He's awesome. It's really good in, in token decks. I actually won a game with Perforos uh, in my Rith deck because... The game had to be going on so long, I just dropped the Perforos and then made twenty-four to- uh, 12 tokens Ooh, and it God. killed everybody. I mean, he's <laughs> he's in my Brea deck as a win con. Yeah. yeah, I only put him in here because he fits kind of the theme of all the tokeny things, but otherwise I feel bad when I play Perforos because he's just so mean. I don't think my deck even has enough red mana in it to be able to turn him on. He's just there to go ping, ping, yeah. ping. But I wanted to talk about one last card before we move on. And that's a card that actually is really new. A lot of people don't talk about it, and I don't think I've seen anybody really use it. From Shadows of, over Innistrad, Odric Lunark Mar- Marshal, the three and a white for a three, three human soldier uh, legend. He's the guy who says at the beginning of each combat, creatures you control gain first strike or flying yeah, death touch the whole like all 50 million. That thing. Yeah, as long as you have one thing with that, then everybody gets that. And in these types of decks, it's pretty easy for your dude to have, like, random indestructible or double strike or whatever. And to just be able to give it to your team for free is amazing. Especially with, like, the archetype of first strike from Theros, 
or you know the doo-doo of vigilance and it's like it's yeah. great despite all this wonderful combat all these wonderful combat effects we have to be able to get to those cards now we have a problem with card draw and boros isn't it that's the way you uh observe this isn't it sean yeah so card draw and boros white just can't draw cards out with outside of artifacts red they've started including um rummaging which is discard a card draw a card and they've also done what's called impulse draw which is where you exile the top x cards of your library and then you can cast them to interpret. obviously that rather than true card draw that limits you to what you've exiled and if you don't cast it then it's gone forever uh, the best cards for that of recent times are abbot of carol keep which is a prowess card and when you enter it you can um effectively impulse draw one and commune with lava which is a great card from Khans. it was Khans, dragons it? was it dragons i always dragons get my set symbols on Khans yeah. mixed up if uh, between the two dragons and Khans sets uh, x red red exile the top x cards of your library to, uh, end of ugh, until the end of next turn you may play those cards so yeah i actually wanted to ask you about that because i look at this card and I'm, i think it's so expensive and for the fact that you can only use these cards once, have you? Is it really? How do you use this well? You cast it at the end of your opponent's turn. Oh, uh, oh. Yep. Especially if you have the ability to untap on your opponent's untap steps, then you you kind of basically do that at the uh, start of your opponent's your next opponent's turn if you can untap. But otherwise, you just do it at the end of your last opponent's turn, and then you have access to those cards. And of course you play the land that's from there and you play as many cards as you can from those that are exiled, but you could get an extra five cards for one turn. That's pretty good. It's wow. not bad. Didn't think about it like that. Good point. Suddenly I've put that card up in my estimations by quite a bit. Yeah. There's also it's really good. Faithless Looting, which is a classic red uh, card draw spell, just as a quick one-off. Uh, why you're really drawing it so what you're looking at artifacts really to support the deck for longer than one use effect yep. so they <laughs> recently printed in the calumny deck sandstone oracle which is a seven drop uh four four sphinx why it was named wasn't an angel i don't know i guess because it draws cards uh but what it says is when it comes into play you count the difference between your hand size and the player with the greatest number of cards in their hands hand size and draw the difference now it's a creature with things like karmic guide white can bring creatures back from the yard or conjurer's closet yeah or conjurer's closet anything we can stuff things in sandstone oracle can get you a lot of cards it's it feels expensive because it is seven mana is a lot but when it's that or nothing take your choice you know Another card that's really, really, really great is Mind's Eye. Mind's Eye is such a good card. This is Yeah, I'm definitely trying to get one of those for my deck. Yeah, it's in fact that's another one that see you notice these cards are starting to creep up in price, and I think that's because of colours that run Boros primarily. Mardu as well. I know black has some stuff, but people like this sort of effect. Mind's Eye is... Let me just get the exact text for you because it's been printed Isn't a few like times. it five mana? It and, is five uh, mana. When another player draws a card, you can pay one to draw a card? That is effectively... I was just getting the Oracle text. Yeah, whenever an opponent draws a card, you may pay one generic mana if you do draw a card for a five mana drop. That is that ten points right there? To... I'm going to guess <laughs> you're a 
Hufflepuff? Um. <laughs> no, to your to your uh, wheel of tr- um, your box of artifacts <laughs> trivia game. The puzzle box. Yeah, I know what you yes. mean. But I'm giving you ten points to Hufflepuff. To Hufflepuff. Um, <laughs> I want to be God a Hufflepuff is a sentence no wizard has ever said. Uh, skull clamp, which we've already <laughs> spoken about, and then one I actually quite like that I was turned on to by the Commander's Brew podcast is Mask of Memory. It's just the simple equipment. Um, it gives you creature plus one plus one. When the creature deals combat damage to an opponent, you draw a card, and you have a lot of flying creatures and stuff with evasion via menace, etc in these colours, so you're going to get some efficiency off of Mask of Memory, I feel. And when in doubt, you've always got the old, old, terrible card draw staples of, like, Jam Day Tome, which lets you just uh, <laughs> pay for it to draw a card. <laughs> I mean, One of my favourites is Well of Lost Dreams. <laughs> I'm not even going to uh, acknowledge Jam Day Tome as draw a card. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well of lost dreams which is whenever you gain life pay x draw x cards x can't be more than the total of life you've gained that's better in a dedicated orzov deck i think but or i mean well yeah life gain is hard to do in boros you can kind of do it but it's never going to be the colors you want see i found a load of life-linking creatures are, are angels yeah, and I mean, there's Bruce Tarl, for instance, he gives your guy, you can get lifelink off of that. You don't have time to do lifelink in a Boros deck. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I mean... it's just basically, yeah, just you can do lifelink. Some of the creatures do get lifelink. There's a few, there's ways of granting it for a few cards, but I don't think it's what the guild is primarily trying to do. If you want life gain, go Orzov. But that's kind of it for card draw on... Boros, you're relying on your artifacts. I like running stuff like Mindstone and Cycling Lands and Commander Sphere. Just so if I draw them late game, yeah. I and Mentor of the Meek, man, I'm telling you, that guy's basically as good as you got. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, Mentor of the Meek's a good one. One last thing we should probably give a very brief mention to, because we did do a whole episode on this topic, so we're not going to talk about it much. Something that Boros does better than other colours is mass land destruction and pinpoint land yeah. destruction. But it gets kind of dumped on because it plays against the social contract of the format. So once again, red and white has a key strategy which is hard to pull off for very different reasons in EDH. But I refer you back to our episode on mass land destruction that I'm sure we'll put a link to in the show notes. But of course, listeners, you've already listened to it more than once, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone, any very quick thoughts on MLD? Episode 49, Mass Land Destruction in Commander. Oh God, was it 49? It doesn't feel that long ago. Well, remember the thing, though, that red and white are already having mana problems, so you might not want to set yourself back that far? Just thinking about it. Yeah, it's kind of a Gisela thing. Drop Gisela, mass land destruction. See you later, boys and girls. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, now, Shivam, you have a Tajik deck, and we have actually already talked about most of the cards in it, but do you have, let's say, three cards <laughs> kind of. that you can spotlight? Yeah, so uh, the Basic Planes is a great card. I recommend you use it. Um, actually, no, so a couple of cards here, though. Um, Fire Main Avenger, which is a uh, Boros card from uh, Gatewatch, which is a Angel 3-3 three, three, for 4. 
it's really good because it's a 3-3 flyer first off, but what it does battalion, it basically does the lightning helix. It gives does 3 damage to anything and gives you 3 life. And in this deck, yeah. it's super easy to get battalion. And it's really just great to be able to start, you know, popping off uh, little dudes on the other side of the table and getting them out of your way and just getting three life incidentally. It's very useful. It's very, just happens to work with the themes of a deck super well. Also, both Thalias are absolutely worth playing in any Boros deck because they set your opponent back. They force their things to come into play tapped or make it harder for them to attack. And then you can go in and just start kind of cleaning up, right? There's a lot of really great utility lands, especially that like work with soldiers and stuff, like Daru Encampment, um, which was from either Lorwyn or something that let you give plus one, plus one to target soldier by tapping it. Sunholm, if you're talking utility lands, is blisteringly good. Yeah, it is. Yes. Target creature gains double strike could not be underrated it's and you should fear sun home if someone drops it especially yeah that card is so good if they've got a commander whose uh base power base power is sort of four or five you could be in trouble and like in an aurelia deck that is three six twelve commander damage on you from a utility land yeah if you do it right it's pretty much gg right yep just done and uh, one of my favorite cards is uh, Spear of Heliod because it's half of the Anthem effect, right, of giving all your guys plus one, plus one. But the other half is that you pay one and two white to tap it and destroy target creature that's damaged you this turn, which is just a really great way to kind of make sure that they don't get too far ahead of you. The point is there's all sorts of things that make your soldiers uh, come out and make them super good and super buff. But Cathar's Crusade, basically the hmm. king of all cards in this, it is maybe the best anthem in my personal opinion because it just grows. Getting plus one, plus one uh, counters as opposed to static plus one means that when all your guys are coming into play at the same time, they're all looking at each other and getting that much bigger. So instead of just 10 guys getting plus one, plus one across, your guys, 10 guys are getting plus 10, plus 10. And then mm. with all your nifty tricks that we talked about earlier of giving everybody haste, suddenly you're hitting the whole table for 80 and that's all she wrote. But Tajik himself, we haven't actually talked about, period. So let me just read him so I can finally get it out of my head. Tajik for two, a red and a white. For a legendary creature, human soldier, he is indestructible. And whenever he and at least two other creatures attack, he gets plus five, plus five until the end of turn, making him a 7-7. Seven, 7-7 seven. Seven, seven indestructible. And when you've got the ability to give him double strike, that's 14 points. When you start stacking on swords and other bonuses from your anthems, you can get to 20 points. And that's the end of the story. And <laughs> Tajik is just amazing. I love him. He is, I mean... Because he's indestructible, it means that he can live through a whole lot of things except for Toxic Deluge. And if they're deluging you, then you just use Sun Titan to bring him back next turn. But the point is, this deck is its mono-fair. It's not great. It's not going to win. But it's so much fun. It's so much fun to play. And if you're not having fun playing Commander, then it doesn't matter how many times you're winning. Like, you should always lose with a smile. And I think losing with like 400 tokens on the table is a great way to lose if you're going to lose. I prefer winning, though, and you can definitely win with this deck. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
You mentioned earlier that you can really hose this deck in a couple of different ways. <laughs> just a couple? <laughs> just by using the most popular board wipe color, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, look, one pyroclasm will ruin my day. That's all I'm saying, right? Like pyroclasm or any mass. The hardest thing is because like a lot of these destroy effects or damage effects can be worked around with things that give you indestructible. The worst board wipe is toxic deluge. Because <laughs> negative one, negative one is not something I can deal with. By the and that worst, just, he means the best board wipe. Oh, dude, dude, it'll just like <laughs> wreck me. I guess you're not a big fan of merciless eviction either, then. Oh God, I love that card, <laughs> oh, but that no, is so I hate cruel. That card. <laughs> merciless eviction just totally dismantles you. It's it's brutal. oh, dude. Merciless eviction coming to multiple decks in Vegas soon. I <laughs> the literal worst thing, though, is there's always those stupid enchantments or curses or whatever that just give global negative one, negative one to all creatures. And that's yeah. when I'm just like, come on. That's not even fair. And uh, yeah. Tokens became so prevalent in my uh, paper group that I started running like sickness <laughs> in the ranks, extinction, all those things. God, I think I think my favorite thing about our show notes here is the, the hoser section. Let me just read it to you for the uh, purposes of our listeners out here. Hosers. <laughs> Number one, literally any wrath. <laughs> Number two, discard. Number three, just kind of waiting till they peter out. <laughs> really, that's all Borosek is going to do. At some point, he's going to sit there dump his hand, have a crap ton of tokens or whatever, all your lands, all your Thalias and your Cathars and your Cathars and your cathedrals and cathedrals and whatever, and then <laughs> they're going to be done. <laughs> and next turn, they'll draw a land. Or maybe they'll just yeah. draw, like, you know, something that gives them randomly indestructible or something. But you're just sitting there going, well, now that you have no cards, I will play and beat you. <laughs> That's the end. I've been playing a lot of Limited as well as Commander recently. And when you're top decking in Limited, it's hopeful. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to pull it, I'm going to pull it. And then you pull it, and maybe it's a little disappointing, but it's it's Limited, so there's something useful. When you're top decking in Commander... It is miserable. It's miserable. You are just you know, like... <laughs> oh, my God. I drew a land. Okay, dude. Yeah. So in that game against Gavin the other day... So Gavin Verhe just was in San Francisco, and he decided to stop by and... Look, he was kind enough to look through all of my decks and help me out. And we sat and played some commander games of one on one with real commander decks, as opposed to the one on one decks, or whatever. But one of the things was like he would be sitting there and just like filling his hand and just like doing things like I'm going to draw all these cards, and I'm sitting there going, "Draw my one, <laughs> draw my one." Yeah. And like that's the thing. That's the one benefit against playing against a Leovold deck in the old days was that, yeah, you're going to take away all the other draws I have, but I've only got one draw, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the old days. The old days, of two months ago. Oh. You know what? <laughs> May they never return. I remember April yep. 2017. President Trump was still in charge before James Comey had him destroyed. And... <laughs> God willing, and I could still game. play Leovold and make all my friends hate me. Well, I guess they're ex-friends now. But uh, yeah, yeah. memories, colored pictures of my mind. 
Yeah, if you know, if you want to hear political discussion, you can actually tune in to what is currently the latest uh, Commander's Brew. They they make they make quite the burn on Inverter of Truth. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and do you know an yeah. annoying thing? So I always submit a burn to that, and sometimes I get them read out. My last one was apparently quote too clever. But I, I thought of a similar burn to the one they did. Looked on it and went, someone got there before me, rats. Mm. So, well done. <laughs> I mean, look. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we talk about the religion aspect of my deck, since they're all paladins? <laughs> and gods? Well, we, ha- we've, we have talked about hip-hop and touched on politics now. <laughs> And we've got gods in these decks. I definitely play Heliod and Perforos. If your Tajik yep. deck was a World of Warcraft class, which one would it be? Paladin, Paladin or, <laughs> or Fury Warrior? Paladin all day long. There you go. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> Covered all bases. <laughs> in token decks too it's pretty much the end of the show and we were sean and i were talking before the show and shivam we thought we would invite you to become a permanent host on the show yay imagine the gif <laughs> of the guy who's dancing in the indian um in the music contest with his shirt and his mustache uh, I will have to send you that gift. It's the greatest dancing gift ever. If truth be told, Sean pushed for it because, as you know, I'm completely against you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's racist. you guys kept like being like, well, maybe. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll just sit here and wait. But uh, it, it seemed like it was best, and uh, it was best to do this on the show where we were celebrating your Tajik deck. Yay! Yay, thank you so much. It's uh, been a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to contributing to a lot more shows. I was going to say, are you going away? <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Wait a second, Shivam. Well, I'm not going to Vegas, that's <laughs> for sure. just got the job. And the... Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, we won't be recording next week as normal, will we? No, oh. no. Actually, yeah, it's pr- probably worth mentioning, listeners. There may be a disruption in service. <laughs> oh actually no we have oh the you can have sean the... and robin episode yes yeah. there's a dawn on the horizon the oil is seeping into your skin oh, god you feel a new wholeness take you that should give you a yeah, little there, hint there, there's some pretty cool stuff coming down the pipe that's for sure god man i wish i could be there so badly it's gonna be so cool well there is a tradition of you have to send us a photo diary of uh what you're doing whilst we're at pp vegas <laughs> yay <laughs> yay yes as, as the f- and listeners who want to see what sean is referring to should go up to our facebook page and look at the photos <laughs> where Very uh, it, early i photos. saw it the other day oh it it made me it made me feel so bad sean because you looked so distraught holding your head <laughs> and now you'll know what that's like on the other side <laughs> <laughs> the deepest of size. 
I think you're just going to surprise us. And at the last minute, you're just going to walk into the commander in condo and be like, hey, guys, what's up? I thought very heavily about that. I wanted to walk in and everyone to burst into like, like in a good Bollywood film. Everyone bursts into perfectly synchronized dancing. And you like you rip your shirt open and then a beautiful woman walks in beside you. Oh, Shivam's here. Everyone just carries on playing their game. You, you know what, man? That, that's pretty much what would happen. He does have his own soundtrack. Yeah, but the, the problem is, though, it's just, it's it's too close to a vacation I paid a lot of money for. And I can't do anything about that. And I tried. Gosh, I tried. How far oh, is whatever. Vegas to San Francisco? It's not it's that close. It's like $60 airplane flight, not even that much. Oh my yeah. god. What if we pay the cover $60? Your yeah. You know there's a free place for you to sleep just for a night if you want yeah, to do it overnight. Yeah, I know. I know. Whatever. And and here's the thing, we're going to have a whole bunch of playmats and up until we invited you onto the show like permanently, we were going to be able to like for completionists out there be able to sign all of the playmats with both host signatures. And now we have a third host again. Yay. So we have to be able to sign like with all of the host signatures, Shiva. <laughs> no, so what do you think? Uh, if it's a sixty dollar flight, that's nothing. We're sending. We're we, you'll be there. I don't know. We we will see. We will see. You know what night you should come, right? Thursday night. Oh yeah, that's gonna be the night. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. We will will this come out just right. before Vegas or just after Vegas? I forget. Well, it depends on how much editing I can do this weekend. That's true. Uh, if it comes out just before Vegas, uh, listeners, me and Phil and hopefully Shivan will be at the Command Zone Bash on Thursday night. And we'll be at the convention oh, all weekend. We will be there with bells and whistles on. Um, so please come along. If it's after Vegas, hey, Phil, how was the Command Zone Bash? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> It was great, man. Oh, it was great. What free swag? How did you, you like it? Oh, it was great. I like that they gave me a foil mana crypt. Oh yeah, uh, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> and Shivam, yeah, it was Shivam, foil mana crypts for everybody. Your Tajik deck was surprisingly efficient because you were there and we played. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wait, what? And no one would mind yeah. actually if you end up staying at the commander and condo with us. No. Yeah, it brings us just slightly over the limit we wanted to to be there. But man, I would sleep on the floor so that you could come and have. A I bed. would spoon with you. Uh, mm. <laughs> we only just met. Let's let's hold off on that one for a second. It wouldn't be the first <laughs> time an Englishman sandwich. has invaded an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I think we're done here for today. <laughs> Well, well, and you know, that has to stay in. Oh, God, of course it does. It has to. That is also terrible, and you're a terrible human being. Oh, he is. Well, now you've met Sean. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sean, thanks for uh, making sure that happened tonight. (laughs) (laughs) not the invasion oh my thanks for hanging out with us everybody jesus without your support this episode would not have happened because it would just be unedited (laughs) 
If you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash commander at MTG. And don't forget to give us a five-star review on iTunes, uh, wherever else you listen to us. We love talking to our listeners, and we are incredibly grateful to all of the Patroni. Exactly like... Jakil Slivik. Jakil Slavik or Jakil Slavik. Slavik. Jakil Slavik, I must break you. (laughs) Simon Wellstead and Ryan Riek. Ryan Riek. Riek. Yeah, and yes, Simon. I like to think Simon pronounces his name Simon well, stead <laughs> with that exact enunciation. <laughs> yeah, so he would be British, then. yeah, he absolutely. Would, Simon well, stead well, stead. <laughs> <laughs> Come play test with us, everybody. Not everybody, just the special ones of you who want to play test with us i guess <laughs> and if you donate ten dollars or more <laughs> per episode come join the patron chat we host over on facebook i'm still reeling from the british invasion so you can wait a second sean is going to be here first hmm. oh no i'll have you know sean that i am proverbially rolling out the red carpet because of course i don't have any carpets but i am cleaning the floor <laughs> Phil, do you have any uh, English in you? Would you like some? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> this is where you find you out after all these years. I'm, is, it, uh... is it too late to refuse to join the podcast? <laughs> yes. We, we I'm afraid it is too late. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go to our website, commanderandmtg.com. Write to us at cast at commander at mtg.com. Find us on all the social media by searching for Commander at MTG Podcast and individually on Twitter. As long as my account gets unbanned, I'm at Ketjack. Why is your account banned? Because I posted a picture of that bad packaging job where, uh, what is it, uh, Denver Gaming? Denver Gaming on TCG Player? Hello. They taped my swamps <laughs> to the paper. And that your account got banned? And then my account got, yeah, that my account got banned for targeted harassment. That's, that's that, impressive. Right, just so, if you don't follow Phil's account, for all the things Phil does that he could right. get banned for harassment for, <laughs> that's the one that got you. That is the Twitter equivalent of Al Capone getting done for tax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I admit, I make some posts that, maybe could be targeted harassment, right? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. But this was not one of them. Uh, I am at (laughs) Copain26. And I'm at Electrotel. (laughs) Phil, you've not done this in an age. Please take us out. And that's the British invasion. Commander in. Commander in.
Vegas, etc.